0: Okay, guys. So we're you know we are uh, doing this Old Testament survey and we've been progressing right along through the Pentateuch, which is the first five books. We'll talk about that in a moment. And we're up to book five now. Okay, so we're up to the book of Deuteronomy. So we've gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. We're going to look starting today at uh, Deuteronomy. Okay, going to look today starting with. Today, looking at the books of the law and Deuteronomy. So for the next few weeks after this, we're going to be plugging our way through Deuteronomy. And so it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Well, you said, I thought Leviticus was difficult. Yeah, but we made it through that. But we're going to make it through this as well. And uh, then we'll get, after that, we'll start into our next section of our study, looking at the time before the king's. That is, when they do the conquest of the land and living in the land. So that would be Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. Okay, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. So I just want to keep you up to date with where we're at. So let's talk today. I'm going to do a reminder again about the books of the law uh, because it's its own genre of books, because it's a little bit of law as well as uh, historical data. And so this has to do all with Israel. So let's look a little bit, first of all, uh, the uh, nature of the books of the law. So first of all, this is part of the first section of the Hebrew canon called the Torah or the teachings or the law. Okay. Now, just real quick, I'm going to use those three phrases here. So today, when you hear a Jew in our area talk about the Torah, have you ever heard that term before, Torah? Okay. They are referring to the first five books. Now to them, it's one collection, okay? Five scrolls, all right? So they would be referring to the Torah. Now when you read in the New Testament, especially the Gospels, okay, When you read in the Gospels, you see the word teachings. Jesus will often use that phrase. It's referring to the first five books. He'll say the teachings and the prophets. Okay? So in Jesus' mind, the first five books are the teachings. Every book after that in what is known as our Old Testament is the prophets. Okay, so they would consider Joshua a prophet. Of course, they would consider all uh, David a prophet. All of them are prophets, okay? All right, so I just want you to think, because we think in terms of prophets, like the major prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, the minor prophets, the 12s, smaller. We think in terms of that, but that's not true when we look at the he- Israeli culture, the Hebrew culture, and even Jesus, Okay. And then it's also referred to as the law. So like when you go to the book of Romans or you look at some of the epistles of the Apostle Paul, he will refer to the law. Well, as we can see, he's referring to the first five books because especially from Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, it has law throughout it correct? It has laws throughout it, and so that's what he's referring to there, okay? All right, so I just want to say this is the first section of the Hebrew canon called the Torah, the Teachings, and the Law. So this section in the Septuagint is known as the Pentateuch, okay? So the Septuagint is the Greek translation, so Penta is five in the Greek, language okay so the pentateuch or the five scrolls so it's known as the five scrolls in the septuagint so let me kind of remind you what the septuagint is right after the time of alexander the great when he conquered all of the known world at that time the known world became hellenized or greek okay and so there were a group of jews in alexandria a city that alexander had founded Still exists to this day. And it was known as a place for scholars. Had a huge library there and so forth. And so the educated Jews of that time, because it was a Hellenized world, a Greek world, took the Hebrew canon, the Hebrew scriptures, and they translated them into Greek, the Greek language. And that's what's known as the Septuagint. Okay, That's what's known as the Septuagint. So this section in the Septuagint is known as the Pentateuch. Okay. So after Genesis, because remember, it's not, we look at it as five individual books. That's because there are five individual scrolls. But it's actually one continuous unit. Okay. So after Genesis, each book begins with the conjunction and, except for the book of Numbers. Alright, and we're going to see that even with Deuteronomy. It begins with the word and. Alright, so it's just a continuation here. So, Genesis through Deuteronomy is the continuous account by Moses concerning creation through Moses' life. Okay? So the book of Deuteronomy is going to continue on up until the very last section of Deuteronomy which records the death of Moses. Now you're probably saying to yourself, well, wait a minute, how, how does Moses record his own death? He didn't, okay? He recorded most of Deuteronomy, but the last part of Deuteronomy was recorded probably by Joshua, okay? Probably by Joshua, all right? So this is a record of that uh, that you need to see. So let's talk about the book of Deuteronomy, okay? First of all, where do we get that title from? That's not a, that's really a, when you say Deuteronomy is an unusual title, where does that come from, okay? You understand Numbers, you understand Leviticus because Levitical laws, okay? You understand Exodus because they left. You even understand Genesis, which is beginnings. Okay, Deuteronomy is that just kind of an everyday word in our anybody's vocabulary? Where does that come from? Okay, I mean that's an unusual name for an Old, Old Testament or a Bible book and period, right? Okay, so let's talk about where it came from. First of all, it didn't come from the Hebrews. All right, in the Hebrew text. The title of the Hebrew text, it is the first word of the book. And the first word of the book is the word which is translated, and these are the words. So the Hebrews were pretty, pretty pretty much the first word. Okay? And these are the words. Alright? Yeah, but how do you get Deuteronomy? Alright, let's be patient with me, okay? In the Babylonian Talmud, Okay, now you're like, okay, this is the first time you've mentioned that, George. What is that? I'll explain that in a moment. In the Babylonian Talmud, it is called repetition of the law. Now, what is the Babylonian Talmud? Well, it is the rabbinical writings of the rabbis while they were in the Babylonian captivity. Now, do you understand what the Babylonian captivity is? It was that 70-year period when Babylon, under King Nebuchadnezzar, destroyed Jerusalem, took away three series of prisoners back to Babylon in exile. That was the captivity for 70 years. So the rabbis, during that time, wrote down their teachings and everything, their their traditions and so forth, in something called the Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, okay? So according to the Babylonian Talmud, this book was referred to as the repetition of the law, okay? We're going to see that as we go through the book, because again, it's Moses' last instructions to Israel, and so he's going to repeat some of the laws again. So it's In the Babylonian Talmud, it's referred to as the repetition of law. Now, it gets a little bit more interesting. Okay, So because of the mistranslation of Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18, it is called the second law in the Septuagint. So remember I told you that the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew text. Well, there was a mistranslation in Deuteronomy 17 verse 18. And so it began to be called around the time after Alexander to the Great, it began to be called the second law. Okay. The second law based on a mistranslation. All right. Wow. Oh, by the way, can I, can I, because some of you are like, what? All right, first of all, titles are not, just so you recognize this, are not inspired. Do you understand? We believe the text is inspired. That is, the very words that you read are the word of God as as the writers were led by the Holy Spirit to write them. Everybody agree with that? You should, all right? Now, the titles are not inspired. Okay. Number one. Number two, the verse numbers in your Bible are not inspired. That was added just three or four hundred years ago. Before it was just one text. Okay. So does everybody understand? All right. All right. So, cause I'm like, wow, Mr. Is this, is this okay? Yeah. This is, we're talking about the title here. Okay. Just want to keep everybody in control. All right. So now here's where we get Deuteronomy, the Latin Vulgate of Jerome. All right, now everybody understand who Jerome is? Jerome is one of the church fathers. He was Roman and one of the early church fathers, and what he did was is he took the Greek and Hebrew texts, so the Greek New Testament, the Hebrew text of the Old Testament, and he translated those texts, into the common language of his time, which he was in the Roman Empire. What was the common language of his time? Anybody know? Latin. Latin. That's exactly right. Latin. So the Latin Vulgate, his text was called the Vulgate, which is still the text of the Roman Catholic Church, okay, The Latin Vulgate entitled it Second Law, and so Deutero means second in Latin, Nomian is what? Law. So Deuteronomian, guess where we get the word Deuteronomy from, okay? It's from the Latin version. Now do you see how we got the title, okay? Now do you see? I just wanted to give you guys an understanding You say, wow. My day will never be the same since I know that. Okay, No, but you've you got to understand how things happen, okay? All right, so let's talk a little bit now about Deuteronomy. First of all, the date. The book of Deuteronomy must be dated to about 1406, which is the same date of numbers, okay? Sometime after Moses' death that year, Okay? Numbers was written in 1406 before Moses died. This was written sometime in 1406 after Moses died. Okay, Now, I know that there are other dates that are out there. There are later dates. There are some scholars that feel this wasn't written until the Babylonian captivity. Some questions dated around the question of who the pharaoh is. Typically, the pharaoh is thought to be Ramses because you saw that in the movie, okay? Uh, or it could be Amenhotep, all right, the second. So typically, though, most conservative scholars feel that the date is around 1406, and it was written after Moses' death, right as they were in that period of taking the, taking the land, okay? I would say some of it was written right before Moses' death because he wrote it, the, the few chapters we'll see here in the, in the end that describe the transition from Moses to Joshua I would say that was written by somebody other than Moses okay all right so let's go on now let's talk about uh, some general observations about this book why is this book important okay why do we need to read this book all right first of all it's one of the four Old Testament books It's one of the four Old Testament books quoted most often in the New Testament. This book was quoted 38 times in the New Testament. It's one of four books that is quoted in the New Testament often. This particular book is quoted four times. I mean, 38 times, excuse me, 38 times. So that's pretty significant. If it's being quoted, it's an important book to read, right? Okay. So it's one of four Old Testament books quoted the most in the New Testament. All right. This book emphasizes God's faithfulness in the past, the present, and the future. Okay, So if you want to understand about the faithfulness of God, Moses addresses that issue because he talks about God's past faithfulness. He talks about God's present faithfulness. And as always, this would be an encouragement to all of us, right? God's future faithfulness, right? I mean, that's what gives us hope to go on today or tomorrow, right? Is knowing that God's going to be faithful to us because we're his what? His children. Right? So that we see that in the book of Deuteronomy. Here's the other thing. The, uh, book presents the final preparations for Israel before entering the promised land. So this is going to show you the final things that they need to do to get ready to take the land. Alright? Because remember, who can't go in the land? Moses, right? He's been told he's going to die on a mountain. So this is all preparation. Moses making the final preparations for them as they get ready to go into the land. Kind of the final address. Do you understand what I'm saying? The final things that he wants to convey to all of the children there. You're getting ready to take the land. Here's some things you need to know. All right? So these are the final preparations. All right, so let's look at the purpose of the book. Okay? The purpose of Deuteronomy, there are three things I want you to see here. The book urged the people to take possession of the land that was promised to their forefathers. So it's telling them this was give, this was promised to you. Where did that promise originate? Anybody? Who's the first one to receive the promise? Abraham. Remember, God said, look to the north, west, east, south. What you see is yours. That was the promise given to him. And it was reiterated with Isaac. It was reiterated with Jacob, also known as Israel. It was reiterated even through Moses now to them. This is the land God has reiterated to them. This is the land that I promised your forefathers, the patriarchs, you go and take it. That's the purpose of this book. Okay, The purpose of this book is for them to take it. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Listen, folks. When you look at what's going on today in the Middle East, and you see the Jews, the Israeli Jews, and their feelings about the land, even about like the occupied territories and everything, it, you, have you been struck by the fact that they, they think they own it? Have you noticed that? Well, it's because it's been promised to them. It's a several thousand year promise. Did you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we're talking four, at least 4,000 years worth of promise here that this belongs to you, okay, that this belongs to you. And they would say they did have it. They were forced out by who? The Gentiles. They're just coming back and taking it, okay? All right. So the book urged the people to take possession of the land, and it was promised to their forefathers. All right. The book encouraged Israel to remember what God had already done for them. The book encouraged Israel to remember what God had already done for them. All right, now that's the purpose. One of the purposes of the books is for them just to remember God's faithfulness. All right, let me just stop for a moment. Sounds like good advice, right? All right, because, look, when you're in the midst of the crisis, what are you thinking about? The crisis. And when you're in the midst of the crisis, you're thinking about the crisis, what are your thoughts normally about the help of God in that time? Are you steadfast or are you wavering? Yeah, wavering. You're wondering, am I going to get through this? God, are you going to help me, right? Oftentimes, the scripture, it is amazing to me, over and over in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that we are constantly told to do one thing, remember. Remember. In fact, Peter would say, I don't think it's tedious to remind you of truth because you and I need to be reminded. So when we're in the midst of difficulties and we're like, one of the things you got to do is stop, take a deep breath, and remember how God brought you through the last thing and the things before and his faithfulness and he carried you through right didn't necessarily didn't necessarily work out the way you wanted it but god got you through it right he got you through that he'll get you through the next thing you don't know what the outcome will be but he'll get you through it remember isn't that what we do when we have the lord's table what are we remembering when we have the lord's table it's an institution for us to remember what The body and the blood of Christ that was what? Shed for us, for our what, folks? Salvation, because we need to what? Remember. Remember. All right, so that's the purpose of this book. The book is to encourage Israel to remember what God had already done for them. All right, now here, the book also is encouraging Israel to do four things here, all right? Four things. Number one, the book encouraged Israel to... Obey God. Obey God. Don't we need to be encouraged that all the time, to be obedient? Okay, here's the other one. Fear God. Yeah, you and I need to be reminded continually to fear God. Why? Because he is the one who's in control. Do you understand? He is the one who's in control. Third thing, love God. Oh, that... Why would you need to remember that? Hey, folks, you really do need to remember because sometimes you take for granted. You and I need to, and it's true for them, they need to be reminded to what? Love God. And then finally, hold fast to God. Hold fast to God. So the book encouraged them to obey God, fear God, love God, and to hold fast to God. Okay? All right, so let's talk about just real briefly here towards the end, how are we going to approach this study? How are we going to look at this study? I mean, like when I look at it, I'm like, where am I going with this? Well, I'm going to give you an outline of the book. Okay? So I'm going to give you an outline of the book of Deuteronomy to help you to grasp what's going on here. So first of all, Deuteronomy can be divided into five main sections. All right? So the book can be divided into five main sections. So there are four sermons from Moses, four sermons, and a historical record. That's the fifth section, is a historical record. So when you look at this, you need to understand that what you're looking at with the book of Deuteronomy is four sermons, four final messages from Moses, and an historical record. All right, so so let's talk about this, all right? So first of all, here's how we would divide it. We're going to divide it into five sections. So section one is Moses' first sermon. We find that in chapter one, verse one, through chapter four, verse 43. And what he's doing there is a historical review. So he's going to basically give them a message where he recounts everything that's happened up until that point with the nation of Israel. So it's a historical review. That's his first message. Remember, because he wants them to remember. His focus is the faithfulness of God. So he's going to do that in that first section. So chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 4, verse 43, is the historical review. The second message is really, to be honest with you, the biggest section of Deuteronomy. Okay? It's Because you can see that, because it's chapter 5, verse 1, through chapter 26, verse 19. And the second sermon is the covenant obligations. Okay? Covenant obligations. Now, what does that mean? Co- when you hear covenant obligations, what does that mean? Rules of the law that you and I have to what? Obey. So he spends, that's why it's oftentimes called the second law, right? Because he's reiterating law here. All right? He's reiterating and maybe expanding upon laws for them to live by when they go into the promised land. Okay? The promised land. So the second sermon is the covenant obligations. Now the third sermon we see in chapters 27, verse 1, through chapter 29, verse 1, and it's covenant renewal and blessings and cursings. So what we're going to see here is that he's going to talk about covenant renewal, that's renewing the covenant with them, and he's going to talk about blessing and and cursings. He's already done this once before with one of the other books. And what is that? He's going to make a series of statements to them saying that if you do these things which God commanded you, he will bless you in this way. He will bless you with cattle, with sheep. He will bless you with good crops. He will bless you with many kids. You'll see the blessings of God there, okay? Then you'll see a list of things that he'll say, if you do these things against God's law, you will be cursed. He'll bring pestilence on you. He will bring enemies upon you. Do you you understand what I'm saying? You'll see curses that are communicated to them if they disobey God's law. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. They're still living under the curses even to this day. When you look at what has happened to Israel throughout its history, they're living under the curses, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Even with what happened in World War II, the extermination of six million Jews, that's all part of the curses. Isn't that what God, we're going to see that God told him, if you don't live in accordance with me and seek after me, you'll live under these, what? Curses about others coming in and destroying them. This is, this is a serious section here, okay? And they're living under that now, all right? The fourth sermon we see in chapters 29, verse 2, through chapters 30, verse 20, uh, excuse me, I got that one. Yeah, that, forgive me, I'll, I'll correct that the next time, all right, because I must have wrote, miswrote something down, and I, I don't know it off the top of my head. All right, the fifth one is chapter 31, verse 1 through chapter 34, verse 12, and that's the transition from Moses to Joshua, Okay. Transition from Moses to Joshua. So, okay, let me just tell you, the next time we get together, I will reprint this sheet out with the accurate information there, okay, for the fourth sermon, okay? All right? Okay, so that's the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy.